0: So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi, the last book in your Old Testament, the last of the minor prophets and the last word of the Lord to his people Israel before a 400 year break in between your Old Testament and your New Testament when Jesus came. And just to give you a little background before we jump into our text, the The name Malachi literally means my messenger. And that's what he was. He was God's messenger, God's prophet to Israel. And at this point in the history of the nation of Israel, it's a lot like the time of Haggai and Zechariah, but a lot worse. It's about a hundred years after the exile. Remember that the southern kingdom of Israel was taken off into Babylonian captivity for 70 years? And they were promised through the prophet Jeremiah and other prophets that they would be back into the land after 70 years. So now it's about 100 years after that and things aren't looking good. Jerusalem is still pretty much deserted. The Gentiles that are living in Jerusalem don't want the Jews back. The land, for the most part, is barren. And they're getting swarms of locusts coming in and devouring what food they actually still have. And so things are very precarious. Yes, the temple has been rebuilt. Uh, but it's nothing like the days of Solomon. Uh, the walls of, of Jerusalem have been rebuilt by Nehemiah. But the Jewish people aren't living within the walls. They're living out on the countryside. They haven't made a palace for their king because they don't have a king. Zerubbabel is living in the poorhouse with his family and the Persian king is, is ruling. And Jerusalem at this point is, is just a, a hill town, nothing like the days of King David or King Solomon. And so they're asking themselves the question, was this really worth it to leave our homes in Babylon to, to leave that all and, and come here. And because of all of that, they have gotten into a bad place of compromise. And so God sends his messenger, Malachi, with a message that there needs to be a purifying, that they, there needs to be purity in different areas of their life. And so that's the That's the whole message. And so here in Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 17, let's read down to verse 6 of chapter 3, where it says this, Malachi 2, 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, quote, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Or you say, where is the God of justice? Verse 1, chapter 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, that's the priests, and purify them as gold and silver. That they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant or accepted to the Lord or acceptable before the Lord. As in the days of old, as in former years. Verse 5. And I will come near you for judgment. I'll be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earnings. In other words, those who burn their employees. And those who exploit widows and orphans. And again, those who turn away the alien or deprive a foreigner justice. And here's why they do all of this. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Would you pray with me? Lord, please take your word and speak to us. I thank you for that spiritual transaction that takes place from the reading of your word to our hearts and our heads as your Holy Spirit teaches us. So speak to us, encourage us in the things that we need to hear tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice in verse 2 of chapter 3 that it doesn't say that God is like a forest fire or an incinerator's fire, but it says that he's a refiner's fire. And there's a big difference there because a forest fire destroys indiscriminately An incinerator's fire consumes completely. But it says there in verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change, therefore, O sons of Jacob, that is his people, you're not consumed, you're not destroyed. And so a refiner's fire, it doesn't consume. It doesn't destroy, but it refines, it purifies. So, as many of you know, you throw the gold or the silver into the fire and you stoke the fire and you turn it up. And, and all the impurities come to the surface. And, and, and the refinery scrapes it away and he turns up the heat more and he purifies the gold more. And after the process, the gold and the silver is still intact. And so God is likened to a refiner's fire. But that word fire always gets me. Because the Bible says that God is an all-consuming fire. What does that mean? I, I don't even know. It's, it's too great. But it, there is purity with God. There is judgment with God. Uh, I mean, he's an all-consuming fire. That's, that's just heavy. <laughs> I don't have any words for it. But guys, purity and holiness will always be a dreadful thing in one sense. There always has to be that proper fear and trembling in the process of becoming pure. Now, when we were kids, we were taught not to play with matches, not to play with fire. Why? Because fire burns. So, guys, God is a refiner's fire, but you know what sin is? Sin is a destructive fire. And the whole point is that just like you don't play around with fire, you don't play around with Christianity. You don't play around with it. You don't play around with sin because sin will burn you. And take it from me, I have been burned by my own sin. I mean, I have third degree burns, metaphorically, from my sin. I mean, they might be healed, but the scars will be there until my dying day. I, I remember those things. And the sad thing is when we play around with sin and we get burned, well, we burn the people closest to us. We burn the people around us. And then after we get burned by our own sin, and after we get burned by the fire, then we have to go into another fire, and that's God's refining fire. But this, this deal with sin, it's always going to be a powerful reality to contend with. Why? Well, it's part of our old nature. It's part of our disposition. It's, it's our humanness. Not only our physical body, but our will, our emotions, our, our, our minds, our affections. As long as we're on this side of heaven, we're going to be battling this thing called the flesh. I and mean, then Paul said it. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that, that you wish. There is a war going on inside of us. There is a, a conflict that is constantly going on inside of us between the new nature and the old nature. And I'm not just talking about two natures. I'm talking about two dueling natures. Like, like two guys going at it with swords. And what they're fighting over is the mastery of my life. That my flesh wants to master my life. And if I'm feeding the flesh and if I'm walking in the flesh, then I'm going to give in to the flesh. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I'm walking close to the Lord and I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place, in, in that place of obedience and submission and the fear of the Lord, then then the spirit is going to win more often than the flesh. It's it's pretty simple. But why so crazy hard? Well, because this is life. And this is the the nature of it. This is is the old nature and and the new nature. But it's a war. It's a conflict. And that's why Peter says, and, and you know, as Peter says it, our own spirit says it to us. It's like we're schizophrenic, kind of. You know, it's like this side's speaking to me and this side's speaking to me and I'm having arguments inside of me. But Peter says, I beseech you, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against your spirit. And so let me say this. As a Christian, a Christian isn't somebody that never has evil desires, Let me say that again, a Christian is not somebody that never has evil desires. A Christian is somebody that's warring against those desires. We're we're battling those things. And the battle belongs to the Lord. And all we need to do is walk in holiness, set apartness, and set ourselves apart to God and be obedient and, and, and submit to Him. And, and that war, that battle is going to go on until we see the Lord face to face. We're going to fight it to the bitter end. But when we start playing with fire, we're going to get burned. And then we're going to have to go through the refiner's fire. But there is hope in that. This isn't just a message of warning, you know, tonight or with Malachi. But there's great hope there's great hope as, as the messenger, the God of love sends his messenger. There's great hope in this. Because he's, it's not a destructive fire. It's, it's a refining fire. And I think I can convey that hope in one sentence. And that is this. That the furnace of affliction for the family of God is always for refining and never for destruction. Let me say it again. The furnace of affliction for the family of God is always for refinement and not for destruction. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are His. You are in Christ. As we were singing that song, No place I would rather be. It's not, you know, Calvary Chapel South Bay. It's in Christ uh, and knowing the message already, I was singing that with a little more joy. That, oh, I'm, I'm in you. So for the remainder of our time, which is very short, I want to ask four questions. Four quick questions and, and answer those in the text that we read. The first question is, who is likened to the refiner's fire? Second question is, why is he a refiner's fire? Third question how can we experience his fire as refining and not consuming? And number four, what is it like in the refiner's fire? So question number one, who is likened to the refiner's fire? Well, verse one gives us the answer. But as we read through verse one of chapter three again, I want you to try and find three individuals here in verse one. Let's read it. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Did you see three people there? Or three individuals? The first individual mentioned is is in the word I. Behold, I send. And and this I is identified at the end of verse 1. The Lord of hosts. So the I obviously is referring to God, Yahweh, God the Father. The second individual mentioned is Yahweh's messenger who prepares the way. He says, behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me. So who's this? Well, this verse is quoted three different times in the New Testament. It's referring to John the Baptist. But you don't have to go to the New Testament to figure out who this is. Actually, in Malachi chapter uh, 4, verse 5, it says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming in the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this first messenger mentioned here in chapter 3, verse 1, that God will send to prepare his way is is a kind of like Elijah. He's likened to Elijah. That's why in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says... That John the Baptist went before Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And we don't have time to get into that argument. So the first individual in chapter 3 verse 1 is God the Father. The second individual is Elijah slash John the Baptist. But who's the third individual? Well, notice what it says. Who comes to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Now, that messenger is a different messenger, I believe, from the first line of verse 1. It's a different messenger than John the Baptist. I believe that this is referring to the second person of the Godhead whom we call Jesus the Christ. Three different clues why I think this is Jesus. First clue is that he's referred to as the Lord. Not capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, but Adonai. So John the Baptist, or Elijah, they're not going to be referred to as the Lord. A second clue is that the temple is said to belong to him. It says, the Lord, verse 1, whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Well, whose temple is it? It's God's temple. The third clue that this is Jesus Christ isn't only that the temple belongs to him, or that he's referred to as Lord, but it's in the word me. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 3. You've got to follow along here. I want, let's just read verse 1 again and you'll see it. Behold, I, God the Father, Yahweh, send my messenger, Elijah slash John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way before me. And the word me there is referring to God, right? But he doesn't go on and say, I will come to my temple. He doesn't say that. It switches. And the Lord, Adonai, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. Guys, Jesus is the messenger of the covenant. John the Baptist is the messenger of Jesus. Jesus is the messenger of the covenant. The new and the everlasting covenant. So, so it goes on in verse 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he, here it is guys, he is like a refiner's fire. That answers our first question. Who is likened to a refiner's fire? It's Jesus. Why did I take you through all of that? Because it is so comforting to know that if you're in Christ Jesus and Jesus is the refiner, you're not going to be consumed by a forest fire or obliterated by an incinerating fire he is a refiner's fire it's like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you are safe in that fire because the Lord is with you the Lord is in the refining he's the refiner what's the fire I don't know it's a lot of things it's trials tribulation hard times difficulties But if you are in Christ, there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His fire for you is not destruction, but it is healing. It's healing. Second question. Why is he a refiner's fire? Well, that's easy, because we need refining. (laughs) We need refining. In my old nature, I'm corrupt. I mean, we were created in the image of God with the capacity to love God and choose God and glorify God and, and allow God to move through us and live through us. And it's an amazing thing to bring Him glory. I mean, that's, that's part of the whole idea of being made in the image of God. That's, that's the goal. It's the gold. It's the goal and the gold. But... But we're born into iniquity as well. And we don't have time. We, all those verses. As Paul says, hey, I know in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things that, that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Job says, can, 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 I mean, can you bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? No. Job also says in Job 25.4, How then can a man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? Even if the moon does not shine. In other words, the moon has no power in and of itself to shine, but it reflects the sun. And the stars be not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot. There you go. We're desperately in need of a refiner. Years back, I went through a refining process. I think I'm still in it. I wasn't good. I wasn't good in my heart, and my head. There was sin in my life, and there was even sin in my life that I didn't even realize, I didn't even see. And, and I got burned by my own sin. And then I had to go through another fire, And that was the refining fire of God. And you know where it started? With the verse, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now when I I always heard that, it was like, Oh yeah, I better repent because Jesus is coming back. No. Repent means change your mind. Then you will change your direction. What does the kingdom of God mean? The kingdom of God is in heaven. The kingdom of God is when Jesus was on the earth. The kingdom of God is within us. So where's the kingdom? The kingdom is wherever the king is. Therefore, when you read repent for the kingdom of God is at hand you could also read it like this change your mind because Jesus is here and I began to change my mind every night instead of going down the typical rabbit trails of my mind I'd pull it back take every thought into captivity and months went by of changing my mind and then God began to change my heart and then the hand of God came pressing down upon me and I was done I was done. I stepped out of this thing called the pulpit. I was done. And I went through a refining process for years. And, and, and I didn't get destroyed. It was for my health and my healing. And there was things deep within where the fire continually needed to be turned up. So that there was more stuff coming out. Connections that I was making with pride, ego, flesh, lust, all the stuff that you know, down deep. But that's why we, we need his refining. And and the Lord spoke to me. I'm gonna do a controlled burn in you. You know what a controlled burn is when the firemen are starting fires to save. You from the actual fire. And I'm going to do a controlled burn in you. My fire is going to protect you from your fire. My, my refiner's fire is going to do that work. Does God need to do a controlled burn in you? Does, do you need the refiner's fire? Do you need to be purged and cleansed and purified? Third question, how can we experience his fire as refining and not consuming? Because in our passage, look at verse 5. There are some that aren't going to go through a refining. It's destructive fire. Look at verse 5. And I will come near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerer, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wages, wage earnings. And those who exploit widows and, and orphans and turn away the foreigners. Why? Because they do not fear me, says the Lord. For I am the Lord, I don't change. This isn't talking about a refiner's process here. It's talking about judgment, condemnation. Turn up to chapter 4, verse 1. gets even hotter. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, and... All who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. So when the Lord comes, some are refined and some are consumed. So how can we be sure to experience the fire of God's refining and not consuming? Because in verse 6 it says, for I am the Lord, I don't change. Okay, well, if God doesn't change and he's got to, Condemn sin. Where does that leave me? Where does it leave me? Well, verse 1 has the answer. This is my confidence. Look at, back at verse 1. The messenger of the covenant. Who's the messenger of the covenant? Jesus. Who's the refiner? Jesus What is the covenant that he's made with us? An everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. He says in verse 6, you are not consumed, O house of Jacob. Why? Because of the covenant he made with them. You're secure. You're secure in him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesse, David, Jesus. You're now a part. You're now a child of God, hopefully, tonight. And that will never change. It will never change. The, the covenant. You know, the book of Malachi actually starts out by telling us where the covenant actually began. Turn back to chapter 1, verse 1. Look what it says. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Malachi. The burden of the Lord, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I love it. This is how he starts. I have loved you. <sighs> I've loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? And here it is. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord. Yet Jacob I loved. He's talking to the house of Jacob. Israel, I've loved you. Look, I've, I've chosen. I've chosen Jacob over Esau. I chose you when you were nothing. God has his will to choose. And so, so the covenant even starts there. It's God's decision. It's God's choice. And so we're secure We're secure in that. I've loved you, says the Lord. And the Lord does not change. And so you're not consumed. And thus Jesus is a refiner's fire and not a forest fire. Last question What's life like in the fire? What's life like in the refiner's fire? It's hot. That's what it is. It's miserable. It's painful. It feels like death sometimes. Death to your pride, death to your ego, death to your flesh. But let me say this, it's all about trusting God with your life. Did you hear me? It's all, this is all about trusting God with your life because you're not going to understand, you're not even going to see it as a refiner's fire. You might see it as God's judgment. You might see it as the end. You might see it as God doesn't love me anymore. You might see it as God's mad at me. You might see it in a whole different ways. You might not even see the spiritual. It's just people and, you know, we're battling against flesh and blood and my job, you know, and my boss and this person, and I'm going to sue that person or they're going to sue me. Or just And you're just seeing it in the horizontal. You're not even seeing God in it. But this is all about what does it mean to be in the refiner's fire? It's all about trusting him. Because when you're going through the refiner's fire, you don't get it. You're just getting toasted, you're getting melted down, and nothing but bad is coming up. And, and it's being revealed to you. What a mess. And you might, you know, refiner's fire doesn't always mean that you. Fell into some sin, and now you're going through the refining fire. You know you might be in a fire right now of of refining, and you didn't sign up for that. You didn't wish this upon you. I mean, Peter was talking to a whole bunch of people that were being persecuted, and in First Peter one six, maybe you want to turn there. First Peter one six. Look what he says. I want to remind you and encourage you. He says, though now. Underline this, for a little while, it's going to pass, the storm's going to pass. Though now for a little while, if need be, First Peter 1, 6, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness or the proof of your faith, being much more precious than what? Gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire may be found to the praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ I love Job 23:10 Job what did Job do Nothing he's a good guy And he lost his cattle his servants his 10 kids his health The only thing he didn't lose is his wife that was saying curse God and die And I love what he says in in Job 23.10. He says, I know. Or he says, he knows the way that I take. He knows my sitting down. He knows my rising up. He's acquainted with all my ways. Psalm 103. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. That's Trusting God with your life when you don't have any idea why all this has gone down. It's all about trust, trusting the Lord. Job's just saying, you know, he he sees what's in me. He knows what needs to be done in me. I don't know what needs to be done in me, but he knows and, and he's doing it. And as many of you know, you know, ultimately, what's the Lord trying to do with us, all of us? He's trying to conform us into the image of Jesus. So, you know, when, 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 you, when you put certain metals in fire, they not only melt down, but, but they also make noises. You ever been next to a huge fire? I remember being next to uh, this huge fire at this, this, uh, this building, you know, this warehouse thing. And, and you could hear the metal screaming. You know, just making those weird, crazy, eerie sounds. Metal screams. What's it like in the refiner's fire? It's hot. And there's screaming involved. And there's tears. But the refiner is doing it on purpose to purify the gold. And the refiner will turn the heat up. To continue to get the dross out, the impurities out, but if he turns the heat up just one degree too much, the gold is wrecked, it 's ruined, and so I want to encourage you, you might feel like it can't be turned up anymore, sure it can. It can be turned up a lot more than you think i I learned when when I you know had a bad day, I will never ever say. Can't get worse than this. There's a movie that's, you know, I won't go there. But it can't get worse than this. Sure it can. But he knows to the very degree in which you need to be purified. And when the purifying is complete... That's when the refiner can look into the gold and see his reflection. And Jesus is going to see his reflection in you so much more in the the refining process. He allows the pain to persist. He doesn't rescue us right away. He allowed the disciples to row all night. He allows suffering. He didn't heal Paul when he asked three different times, heal me. But what did he say? My grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Why? Why does he do that? To empower us with his grace. To show us his strength. To point us in the right direction. To purify us. Well, that's scripture. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. To whom the Lord loves, he chastens, And scourges every son and daughter whom he receives. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're all illegitimate and not sons. You're not legitimately linked with him. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who've corrected us. and We pay them respect. Should we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seems best to them. But he, God, for our prophet, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And what does it produce in me? It produces a genuine fear of the Lord. And an an open door for God to reveal my impurities. And through the process, I have to trust the Lord. I want to end with a quote. Here it is. And so, what do I say? I say, let the rains of disappointment come if they water the plants of spiritual grace, let the wind of adversity blow. If they serve to root more securely the trees that God has planted, I say, let the sun of prosperity be eclipsed, if that brings me closer to the true light of life. Oh, how I welcome the sweet discipline of my Heavenly Father. Discipline designed for my joy, discipline designed for my peace, discipline designed. To make me all that God wants me to be. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. That you are likened to a refiner's fire. And that you are a refiner's fire because we constantly need refining. And I thank you, Lord, that we can be secure in the fact that we'll be in the refiner's fire. Not a... just consuming fire, because we're under your blood, and life in your fire, Lord, life in that place of discipline, or life in that place of you teaching us, Lord, it's hard for us, and we don't understand a lot of times, and... It's very easy for us to start losing faith, but help us, Lord, to put our faith in your love, in your promises, in your grace. And I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are the refiner's fire and that we are secure in you. So, Lord, thank you. I thank you for your discipline. Thank you for being such a good Heavenly Father to us. And so, help us to trust our lives with you in every situation.